Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we have a very special guest on to talk about one of her favorite series. I don't know. Actually, Anna didn't tell me. but <laughs> Well, we needed, oh, yeah. a, we needed a resident expert of Lord of the Rings, so I called in, I called in a friend. <laughs> uh, my friend Emmy Cook is here, college friend. Hi. Say hi, Emmy. Oh, my gosh. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be on. Woohoo! Yes, Emmy is a also a big fan of Popcorn Hangover, big supporter. Thank you. And just a little background about Emmy. So we met in college. Uh, one of my first friends at Butler. We lived in the same unit our freshman year. So been friends mm-hmm. for a long time. Mems. Yes, so many mems. Unit six. If anyone's listening, I don't know. <laughs> Listen. I like say things. I'm like, I wonder if people are listening. You know, I don't know. They're probably not. And. Emmy now lives in Colorado, in Denver, Arvada yeah. to be exact, if you want to go, if you want to hit her up, and um, <laughs> recently became a registered personal trainer, a certified, certified. personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, certified personal trainer. So that's what's going on with her. If you want to, um, if you want some lessons, not lessons, what is it? I don't know. Can you explain? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, this is not my realm. <laughs> No, it, I think the terminology is like sessions. There you go. Um, so I, yeah, I personal train in person here in Denver and also virtually like over Zoom for more personalized kind of one-on-one sessions and then also just like online health coaching in general. So yeah. yeah. So if you're looking for something like that, I mean, super supportive in, I think in working out, but also in an emotional capacity. So oh, she'll be- time. She'll be, she would be great if you're looking for someone she, and that you just did that. So congrats on, on getting certified and starting uh, your new little business. Oh, thank you. So sweet. So many new things for you. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get to talking about the two movies for today, um, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers and Return of the King, because we just couldn't have another week of a different movie without watching all three of these movies because after watching the first one you got to continue um but we just want to kind of go through our weeks any new things we've been watching i mean i don't know about you but john and i have been watching wandavision have you do you watch that no we i just opened disney plus though last night we watched percy jackson don't ask me why yeah why did you Um, watch that i I (laughs) after watching lord of the rings why would you watch that (laughs) I forget how bad they are until like I'm most. I don't think I've through. seen the third one. I haven't seen any of them. The, it's just I. I mean, it's one of those things. The books I remember enjoying the books as a kid, and then I was just like watching the movies. I'm like, this really ruins it for me. <laughs> um, no, but I saw WandaVision, and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to yeah. put that on our. Well, radar. and you like Marvel, so you guys, you guys should definitely watch it. It's amazing. Um, we're not going to spoil anything because we know there's a lot of yeah. people that I know haven't started watching it yet. Like, I know people that just want to binge it all in one sitting, which you can totally do. Some of the episodes are like 20 minutes. Um, but this past episode, we Good. screamed out loud and my mom texted me and was like, is something wrong? <laughs> like, nothing? Just, <laughs> yes, something's wrong, but nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing that we don't want to spoil. It's for sure on the short list. Is it PG or PG-13? What are they rating it at? I don't under... I mean, it's like a... I think it's probably the same as a Marvel movie it's because PG-13. PG-13. I, they haven't really swore at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that may just be because also it's about like TV. So it's like those shows back yeah. then like didn't swear and stuff. Because like mm-hmm. each 
episode of a different decade of TV. Well, so, like, also, this is just kind of a, this, like, triggers a random thought in my mind. Like, I don't really know how ratings work now with streaming service shows, because I'm not sure if they're subject to the same yeah, but they, they still have they still have like age stuff. Like if you but I go, think it's more of a suggestion instead yeah. of an actual rating because they're airing it on their own. Well, it's the same thing. thing. On, it's not like TV. TVs are suggestion. It says like we're suggested for ages fourteen and up. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> TV fourteen. I understand that, but like I'm not even sure if they have to slap like TV fourteen on it because it's it's not TV. Mm, I've wondered. Streaming services blow my mind for yeah. many reasons. But it seems like a Marvel, it's kind of like the same yeah. caliber of a, like a Marvel movie just in a show. So it's really interesting kind of seeing how they, they're taking it from a movie to TV. Um, but what have you, have, besides Percy Jackson, oh, no. any good things you're watching, um, loving right now? We are, like, I'm just kind of like in a little bit of a slump. I've been doing a lot of Vampire Diaries to like relive the glory days. <laughs> Um, I have again, never ever seen Vampire Diaries. Not not quality for <laughs> sure, but definitely like up there with like the guilty pleasure type. Yeah, entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just one of those things that's like, oh, I turn that on and it's just I'm enjoying it. You know, but <laughs> I've been really into like the fantasy realm lately. So Lord of the Rings was very timely. Yeah, good. I'm glad I gave you a call when we did. Yes. Yeah, we had been meant. I mean, we said this in our last episode, but. We had talked somehow. Lord of the Rings came up, and John said he'd never seen them. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised um, that he had never seen them. But also, it's not like I remember m- much about them either, because I really only saw them as a kid. And then one time in college, Emmy was like, <laughs> "We have to watch Lord of the Rings," and we watched it like 10 p.m. and I fell asleep, like obviously. And <laughs> sounds about so, right. <laughs> so I like didn't remember. I remember like certain part while watching these movies. There were certain things. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or like. Yeah, that yeah. like this makes sense to me. But the third movie, absolutely nothing. I I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, did not remember anything that happened. That's so fun, like watching a movie essentially for the first time ever again. Yeah, uh, like it's like that. I know the things, like you see it and everything makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. but like I knew that Smeagol, like I knew the Smeagol Gollum thing. And I remember that really clearly, probably because mm-hmm. it scarred me as a five year old. But um. But other than that, it was like certain things like, yeah, I know the really I think it was like the relationships of each person, but not like what actually happens in the story. Yeah, but mm-hmm. there was one thing last night that I don't remember what it was now, but you she like remembered a line word for word. Oh, yeah. It was really random and not super significant, but it was like, <laughs> why do you know that? Okay, I kept trying to guess. Okay, because some of it's like, che- not cheesy, but like some, some, of it, cheesy, yeah. some of it is very like 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 emotional like they and so i kept trying to guess the next line where it's like like sam would be like like but i fight for you or something like that and i'd be like da, da, da. and then John, like, you cannot get any of these right like i would be so close but she was like one for i got 20. one yeah i got one well let's get into it because these are some these are long ass movies Very. i mean i can't believe we spent like basically eight between eight and nine hours watching all three of these in a week two of which were within 24 24 hours 24 hours everyone kind of knows our relationship with the movies like we just said we we're we very little yeah newbies to it but i mean what's your relationship i did say you're a resident expert but maybe you could explain (laughs) why we think you're an expert oh gosh yeah so this for me came before any interactions with harry potter like even before reading any harry potter books movie viewing any of that so for me this is my first introduction growing up to like 
um, true fantasy. It almost seemed like, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. you guys mentioned, remember the animated film that they made? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I don't even remember what year that was. Yeah, it's so like it's like in the 80s, I think. 80s or 70s, something 70s like that. So you watched right. that. I watched that. That was my first, yeah, that was the context for me in any viewing of any of the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. So, so is that how you got into it? Like you watched that and then you read the books? You know what? Yeah, I definitely, I waited, well, with what happened with that movie was my parents probably decided I was a little too young to view that. So they yeah. kind of like shut it off halfway through that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I have a brother who's four years older than me. So whatever he did, I kind of got to do. Um, so that was when the books came in Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. I think I read the Hobbit first. Well, maybe the Hobbit's a children's book. Well, and the Hobbit came yeah. out first. It was, it, is. it was a children's book. And then suddenly he started to create this other book and he was like, wait a second, this is really, there's a lot more to this world than I'm thinking of. And it became a big, like epic novel that wasn't a children's book anymore. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm I, relying on you for that. Yes, I am telling you the facts. I read them. <laughs> yeah, no, those were definitely really early for me. And I didn't cling on to those books in the same way that I cling to like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I only read them once as a kid, but still did. Um, and then came the movies. Um, and I pretty much, I, I believe I watched those on par with the years that they came yeah, out. Yeah, did you see them all in theaters? You know, I don't know if I saw them in theaters. It might have been like, you know, when DVDs were huge. Yeah. Um, we yeah. would just scoop them up as soon as possible. So I think it was definitely like a serial viewing type of thing on DVD for me. <laughs> um. So a question that I've been wondering, because I have a few friends that really like Lord of the Rings. When you watch, do you watch just the regular movie or do you watch like the extended mm-hmm. like four hour cuts or mm-hmm. whatever they are? <laughs> I think I when I just sit down, I'm like, okay, I want to watch the trilogy again. It's always just the standard, yeah. you know, Where do you even find the extended cuts? They're on DVDs. Oh, okay. Because so. it's, it's not on HBO Max, which is how we watched it. I think it's on Amazon Prime even, the extended. Or maybe I'm thinking mm. Harry Potter, but... Um, um, I think you should watch the extended at least once. I think yeah. that it's the type of thing where if you're going to sit down and watch the trilogy... I mean, extended's great, but again, it's just all those cuts that are spliced together. Yeah. yeah, and some of it, you know, yeah, it's probably, it's not super relevant. Like, when I think that it was good we watched it how it was, like, intended, first intended mm-hmm. to be, because it, obviously, they're not soup. they're relevant to the story, but it's not like you're going to miss anything not watching those. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. Okay, so starting with The Two Towers, it is the second movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It came out in 2002. It follows three main storylines. First is Frodo and Sam's continuing journey to Mordor, but now they are joined by Gollum uh, slash Smeagol. Um, The second main story it covers is Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli's journey to Rohan to enlist their help in the war against Mordor. And then third, and kind of the smallest of the three, is Merry and Pippin's convincing of the Ents to help fight Isengard and Saruman. all three movies have the same budget of $94 million because they just split it up across all three. But this one grossed $951 million. Um, it has a 95 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 95 audience score. A fun fact about this, or a couple fun facts, um, it won two out of the six Oscars it was nominated for, uh, those being Best Visual Effects and Best Sound Editing. Was this the one that um, Andy Circus. Circus was nominated for Best Supporting, but he didn't win? I did not see any I'm pretty nominations. Sure. No, oh, okay. I, the, thought... I think that was the third one. That might have been the third one. I don't no, know. No, no, no. They swept the third. 
So oh, so it must have been this one then. I think so. Yeah. Um, look it up. The other fun fact. So, but between the first movie and this one, they doubled their effects staff to a total of 260 members. One really interesting thing I saw is that the most heavily like strenuous visual effect for this was animating Treebeard. And it took between 28 and 48 hours to render one single frame of his animation. It basically took in the entirety of the production process just to do his scenes. That's unreal. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild to fathom. So moving on, the third movie, Return of the King, is the 2003 climax of the trilogy. It follows the final portion of Frodo and Sam's journey to destroy the Ring of Power. The, the other half of the movie, or most of the movie, honestly, is focused on the armies of Sauron fighting with the remainder of the Fellowship of the Ring and all of their armies of men at the Battle of Minas Tirith. It had a budget of $94 million, like I said. It grossed $1.1 billion. Uh, it has a 93 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 86 audience score. It's the lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes of all three, which I personally found pretty interesting because I thought it was the best, not to spoil anything. Uh, it swept the Academy Awards for all the categories it was nominated for. So it was 11 for 11. And it most notably won Best Picture. It was It's hailed as one of the most influential movies of all time. And a fun fact about this, just aside from everything else, it is the highest grossing movie that Time Warner ever produced until Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Wow. Yeah, kind of weird. Kind of weird those franchises are linked. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I just looked it up. I was um, wrong. He never got nominated for an Academy Award. Uh that's my bad it was he was nominated for other things but uh not for that award just wanted to correct myself <laughs> before i sound like an idiot <laughs> i mean there's like a lot of crazy fun facts records that they broke and also that are still here today so i you know it doesn't surprise me every time i hear another thing that like they did that that is like still the record or whatever or, like yeah. was the most because like this movie i mean it was so ambitious like this whole trilogy was like the most ambitious movie like of that time and i still think what if not like not it may not still be that true today but it's still like if not the it's like one of it yeah. still mm -hmm. um one thing i really want to start with with talking about this because i just found this fascinating so um the second movie in this franchise if the production company had their initial way it wouldn't have existed this was supposed to be a two movie series and um, the Two Towers was just supposed to be like a little bit was supposed to be added on to the first movie and a little bit added on to the third movie. Um, a lot of people thought that were trying to adapt it, that it just didn't have a clear beginning and end. So there was no reason for it to have a movie. Mm -hmm. And I found that really interesting because um, it, to me, the second movie is really, really good and a big step up from the first movie. So I'm just kind of surprised that they were like, it, it kind of just accidentally happened. Mm. How could they have even done that? There's just so I, I don't much know. things that happen. I, I mean, to be honest, and I don't know if either of you disagree, like, I'm surprised it's not more than three movies. Cause, like, maybe that's because of in the post-Harry Potter world where things get stretched out more. Like, Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, like, about Harry Potter and how they definitely needed to split Deathly Halls into two parts, kind of. And that kind of, I yeah. feel like, set the stage for... 
movies oh after that. Everyone just, had to do that. And it's right. like, no, we didn't need that. Mm-mm. Right. So now everyone's <laughs> thinking, oh, that is the best way to gross the most like, over, you know, the course of what could have yeah. been one. Yeah. Movie, you know, the but, Hunger Games, like that, that one did not need two parts. No, not no. at all. Not so at it's all. like, ugh. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm kind of happy that they probably didn't split it into two just because I think for continuity's sake. Um, yeah. And a trilogy is just know, such a good, like, you know, it, it's a neat, good like three just always seems like a great number it's not like a movie and then a sequel Mm -hmm. it's like these three things go together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like four just feels cumbersome i don't know yeah 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 and i do think that there's like three clear stories that happen between the three you know the first one is this exposition setting up the fellowship and like Mm -hmm. who the main players are the second one is the is the war between the two ta- like taking down you know what's it taking down the one Saruman's tower I can't there's so many names in this dense very Sauron Sauron oh, no yeah Saruman no, well, you're right. we, we were calling him sorry everyone we were calling him Solomon <laughs> because not that okay we that. watched the second two movies with subtitles because we were like how do you pronounce anything <laughs> And this helped so much. And I, am, I understood so much more. I'm usually <laughs> not a watching a movie, like in a movie in English, obviously, with subtitles. I don't think I'm ever going to watch these without subtitles. No, they were so helpful. <laughs> but I'm like, we were we were watching the movie. We turned on subtitles. I was like, oh, my God. We've been calling him Solomon. <laughs> Solomon. When I first heard that, I was like, wait, something sounds kind of weird. And I was like, oh, that's the what way happened. It sounded like the way they were talking about him. It sounded like Salomon. Salomon. No, it does. No, you're Saruman. so right. Salomon. I feel like, like that's an easy mistake. And you got Sauron and Saruman. Mm-hmm. It's like. I can't believe and, you did that. And Elowen, Elowen, Elwan. El- like, oh. Edouan, I'm like, who is who? And I'm like, who who's the brother? Who's the nephew? Like, all of the Rohan people, I was like, they all look exactly like. I don't know who is who. When in doubt, the names end with, like, a mer or a mir in any case. Yeah. Or they start with an E. (laughs) It's like, okay. But we're sorry for saying Saluman. Okay, Saruman. So in the second movie, it's all, like, you know, take down the tower with Saruman and then um and then protect the tower with everyone from yeah. Rohan. And then in the third movie, it's like, you know, the end. It's the big war and then destroying the ring. So I feel like there's three very clear and I think the ending, like each ending was it was even better than the Harry and then Harry Potter one, like there was the ending in between the mm-hmm. two. Like I feel like they had very good stopping points that like made me feel okay, great, I feel good. I'm ready to go to the next. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I also, like, I think that, uh, I don't know where my thought was going, so I'm just going to cut this out. I don't have it. I don't have a way to transition to what I was trying to say. Uh, where do we want to start with the second movie? Like, is there any scene or something you want to start with? I mean, the thing is, the second movie's kind of, it is a little slow, I the think. First, okay, so here's actually what I did want to talk about. I think the first two thirds of the second movie are really, really slow, but the last hour specifically the battle of helm's deep is like so good and it it picks up everything that like i come out thinking the second movie is way better than i felt for two-thirds of it i mean the action the wars in this in these films are so good they're they're absolutely epic i feel yeah they're it's the most epic thing you're just sitting there like 
what's gonna happen I want to join (laughs) like get me in that (laughs) well we were talking about this we were like I was like, oh, you know, war must have really sucked in medieval times. John's like, life sucked in medieval times. John you know must much these people <laughs> smelled. And I was like, well, that was my first thought. I'm looking at all of them. I'm like, it's muddy that you're finding mm. these orcs that are like, uh, I don't really understand how the orcs are just kind of born out of like, Created. they just all stunk. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they're not, so they're not like a creature that is born. Like they create them. Well, they're technically, the orcs are a race. I think it's the Urukai, which are like the big, like lumbering ones yeah. that are the ones that are like born but from like mud and gunk. And Urukai are like part orc or like no? <laughs> I just assume That's, they were all orcs. That is a good question. I kind of like file them under the same. I mean, like, I guess, I guess that they are part orc, I think. In terms mm-hmm. of like their creation, because they really are created. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, they 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 are like under the umbrella of orc, but they are not specific like orc in the same way that the goblins are in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this movie just helped. Well, these last two just helped reinforce my complete confusion on like the hierarchy of species in this <laughs> world. Um, mm-hmm. Like last week, I was saying that I don't understand fundamentally the difference between like an elf and a wizard because the elves in this have like traditional magic mm-hmm. where like wizards in this universe like no disrespect to Gandalf but he doesn't really do anything that magical until he has that mm-hmm. staff until like he's, fire. A, he's Gandalf the white like the only thing he really does is make like a blinding light but he even did that when he was Gandalf the gray when he fought against that fire monster so I'm just I'm very confused as to what wizards can do so I want to kind of clear the air on the Gandalf the white, you know, yeah. type of. Yeah. Okay. Can you so, explain that? Because we're like, he's, mm-hmm. he died, but he's not dead. It's kind of like he, they brought, like he was brought back to life by a certain entity to like, to do this. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So, uh, so, okay. So he did die completely dead. Absolutely yeah. dead. So, and then he was brought back because he wasn't essentially done with his charge. His. Yeah purpose um and the entity you're talking about is like their version of god i can't remember the name we might have to check but um essentially brought him back and so he's brought back as gandalf the white gandalf the gray gandalf the white whatnot um that's not ranking at all there's no ranking amongst the wizards in terms of like what their what their color is but um the the purpose of him coming back is gandalf the white is almost like to kind of provide a juxtaposition to um, Saruman. And Mm -hmm. this is how Saruman should have been if he were not completely corrupt. Because Saruman's, you know, he's all dressed in white. He looks like he should be a good guy. Minus the facial hair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so that's, I think, kind of like the concept of Gandalf coming back as Gandalf the White is that this he's in Saruman's image almost. Okay. Okay, that, that does make sense. Well, I was thinking like it was like he was white because it's supposed to be like pure, like angel, like angel kind of thing. Yeah. To, like, well, and that was the question I asked mm-hmm. when we watched. I was like, so is he basically an angel now? Um, but that makes a lot of sense that he's, you know, he has to finish out this charge. Well, and so that's interesting too. He like doesn't remember his name, and then once they're like, he's like, oh yes, my name was Gandalf. Like, like I'm get, like I'm get. He says when they see him in the forest when they first like meet him after Treebeard, like takes him when they're in the he's like he like remembers he's gandalf remember that's his i don't know it was weird 
So I actually, I noticed something and I don't know if this was intentional or if this was me imagining it. They definitely used Christopher Lee's voice when they initially introduce you to Gandalf the White when you can't see his face. And then like they switch to Ian McKellen, right? Yeah, because I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Saruman. Like I was yeah. like, oh, the trees are evil. For sure. I think it's to kind of like send to, home that sense of relief for them and like, yeah. oh, geez, yeah. But because I was like, that's not Ian McKellen's voice. It, it was very strange. But for someone who hadn't seen the trilogy, that caught me way off guard because like Gandalf's death fooled me. And then mm-hmm. and then seeing him come back, I was like, oh, my God, like, I didn't know that this was possible in this world. Anything mm-hmm. is possible in this world. Apparently, yes. <laughs> it's just like I'm never I can't be like surprised or like have any expectations because I think that's okay. a good way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to pivot because now I just I'm going to jump way ahead. <laughs> so because like my thought was who who is the head elf? That um, guy up. Uh, Elrond. Ar- Ar- okay. Ar- okay. Ar- Wait, what is it? Elrond. Elrond. That's okay. Arwen's dad. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what I was confused. I need like a family tree of everybody. I mean, I think, I think before you start, sorry. I think that I'd like to say, I feel like we have improved so much about who everyone's names. Yeah. I think I understood like this first movie. I had no idea like what any of these kingdoms were and like what the race is and like what everything. And now I feel like I'm so much like, I'm like, I know their names. I got this. Some of them know, but like I'm getting better. <laughs> so at the end of the movie, when they're going to get on the boat and go off to, like, you had told us yesterday, like, the equivalent Wait, of eternal life. are we talking about this right no, now? No, because I just have a question. It relates to Gandalf. It, it just relates. Okay. So, like, I thought mm-hmm. that, like, Arwand was, like, a stand-in for God, too. Because it kind of seemed like that, because he's, like, he decides who goes on the boat, and he decides who gets to, like, leave Middle-earth and go to eternity. So, Elrond is essentially, he's, like, the lord, the a king but i don't think they use the terminology king of rivendell yeah so basically what's going on with valinor and the the elven exodus essentially to valinor oh, yeah. and that... like this maybe you could like talk about arwen too in here <laughs> yeah definitely so okay so this is this is not i don't think very clear in the film elrond and arwen are both only half elven they are not full elves they're half man half elf so they can choose mortality or immortality and in choosing mortality that means there is legolas a full elf i don't that's a good question like are any of them full elves um i believe galadriel is galadriel um okay kate blanchett yeah um but so with them choosing like valinor that's them saying okay like that's our immortality that's the undying lands yeah um and only you know non-elves who are on a certain level essentially can join them in that journey so they Mm -hmm. choose who's worthy of that basically um arwen gives up her seat on the boat basically yeah well when she she gave her heart to uh, Aragorn and so yeah. they but they don't want Aragorn in here there because he's not worthy yeah yeah and also I mean he has his own own stuff to do well yeah. maybe it, and that's kind of why because he has this mission and that's probably why he can't because he must fulfill mm-hmm. his mission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of what seems like throughout the films that like and obviously I'm sure it's the book but it just seems like they're everyone has their task and they must like and it's all about completing that task and like what you must do to do that and you know i think there's a lot of like themes of like free will and destiny and like the mm-hmm. juxtaposition between those two and like how do sacrifice. those two play 
play yeah sacrifice and how do those play into each other right okay Sorry, I want to get back on track yeah. to the two towers. I just the 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 notion of like higher powerage in this too is fascinating to me because like Sauron kind of feels like the devil, but not really. He's his own thing, and he's like an entity. He's not one person. But is has he yeah, always yeah. been in this little eye thing? Like, is that always what it's been? Well, so basically, um, Sauron used to have a physical body and yeah. then his physical body was destroyed. Remember when his finger got chopped yes, off with the yes. ring? So he kind of, I guess, went away to sort of recharge himself, if you will, like gain up power. And so if he gets the ring, does he take physical form then? I think he's restored is more of the... Okay. But he, like his power and like everything that, you know, taking over Middle Earth is restored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of just took that like his influence would you know, spread over and cause man to, like, destroy itself. Okay, so can we, like, go into the ring now? I have, like, a lot of questions about the ring. And I... Definitely. I think this is the thing for people who aren't, like, who have not read the book, who aren't, like, super knowledgeable about the lore, that, like, I think we only get this... And I guess if you watch it more and more, maybe, yes, you'd have, like, more of an understanding. But I just feel like we get... We just only scratch the surface of, like, what the ring is and like what its influence and what it does because i i feel like i I understand it it's the ring you know it's the ring to control all rings and control all things with Mm -hmm. the power yeah it's power control things but it's evil it's not you know people keep thinking that it would create the power to do good but it's never going to do good because it's just evil but i i don't understand like how i don't know it's so confusing (laughs) to me i think my first question is like why does it have such a large influence on certain people mm-hmm. and on others? And like the way it influences people. There's some people like Boromir and Aragorn and Gandalf where like they want it because like they have this, this draw to it because of power and um and control. But then there's people like Bilbo, Frodo, and Gollum where they like they want it because of like a precious, like personal, a beauty and a and like a personal kind of want so why are there these two different kinds of desires okay i love this <laughs> question because desire that is all the one ring is about desire so basically kind of to give you some context there are the elves were the ones who forged the rings okay mm-hmm, yeah. and they actually made they made i think 19 total rings mm-hmm. Whoa, okay I um that much And the one ring is the ring that Sauron himself really dumped a whole lot of his power into creating. So the purpose of- Was Sauron an elf at one point? No, he was not ever an elf. Okay, okay. Um, So the purpose of like these 19 rings is to essentially, so to keep Middle Earth um, stable almost in a a way. So um, some of the, so I think, the men received nine rings and we saw mm. what happened there. Totally unable to manage that. They became the ring raids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then elves kept three rings, I think for themselves. Um, the dwarves kept rings, but most of them were kind of destroyed or eaten by dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that kind of leaves primarily the one ring, which is the one ring to rule them all. Um, and basically what kind of, happened there is that based on how it influences people is so we look at Gollum we look at Frodo Bilbo they're just 
they're hobbits. They are relatively powerless little creatures. Like we see throughout the whole series, how people are just like very, just not blown away by hobbits. They're very mm-hmm. unassuming. Um, yeah. And yeah. so the the way that the ring corrupts people correlates pretty much directly to how much influence power they have as beings. Got it. And that's kind of what I was thinking, but I just didn't know. And, and that's kind of what my assumption was is why at first Bill it didn't affect Bilbo or Frodo mm-hmm. because they didn't feel a need to control anything. But right. as they continued to keep it, they felt the the power of him was like, oh, like this will give me worth and right. like sell, and that's why it's like my precious, like it's my, mm-hmm. it's my worth. And but- that's so spot on. And how you talked about like hobbits just don't have; they just are so happy with the simple life. They yeah. don't have yeah. much in the way. Them. I know they're so sweet. Not much in the way of ambitions besides you know having a cozy home and just living in the fields and whatnot. So and that's maybe that's- maybe that's like a showing like that's how we all should be. Like we shouldn't want. We should yeah. just be these people that want to have have peace and life. There's for sure some symbolism there, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, so, and with the ring, it just constantly wants to return to Sauron. He put so much of his own power into yeah. it that that's why there's that pull. And so the closer they journey towards Mordor, the stronger that pull is, the higher chance of like corruption and sickliness. But then my other question is, like, why does it change? Why does Gollum, like, when we see his backstory in the third movie, why does it change him, like, almost immediately he's like, I want it, I want it. And, like, well, and it's not, like, a gradual thing. Like, he sees his brother has it and, well, and Deagle, right, Deagle, he kills Mm -hmm. him immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is that just because he was already a corrupt being? That he was already, he already had these evil tendencies in him? You know, I think that's a good question. I think that it's part of like, literally, how pure are you? How, you know, what is your intentions? Like what's in your heart kind of And Smeagol? I he is one of those characters that I just constantly have a hard time feel like I feel bad for him. And then I feel angry at him. Yeah, Yeah. constantly. I, I think he it was it was just a simple situation of like, if that ring never entered the picture, he would have been an okay guy. Yeah. Um, okay, Hobbit. Um, but like, I, th- I think that's the thing about Gollum. Like, it, I was taking it as like he had multiple personality disorder. Like, but I thought it was from the ring. <laughs> I'm confused. Is Gollum like the ring? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> No, so so I mean Smeagol. So Gollum, I I kind of want to know more about Gollum, but I'm yeah. pretty sure Gollum is a completely different creature. Like he is not a a Hobbit anymore. He is a Gollum. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a so, byproduct, like of right. his obsession with the ring, kind of. Exactly. It's yeah. like literally then, the manifestation of the it corrupt and illness yeah. that the ring. But it's so yeah. sad because at one point, like he does get rid of him and he like stands up to him. He's like, I don't want you leave. And then obviously mm-hmm. he thinks that Frodo betrayed him. Um, but he really there, didn't. He well, he had there he had no other choice, otherwise they were gonna kill Smeagol, but Smeagol mm-hmm. doesn't understand that, and oh, well, there's so much to go to have there. And stupid <laughs> stupid Faramir who really grows on me but I was like you asshole just let the hobbits go they need to fulfill their quest the number of times I just want to yell at the screen and like oh you stupid Gondor people all you think about is that you can use it you can wield this power no Mm -hmm. you cannot wield the power (laughs) between between the initial like and I mean even right before he dies like Faramir Faramir and their father I hate that entire family 
Okay, like, I like Boromir, but like it's uh, but like <sighs> Boromir like has like the problem is it shows I think they're supposed to show like the downfall of like of men and like what where we struggle and like what you know what men have problems with is of this power and like control yeah. and yeah like I think that's probably I think it shows three different kinds like it, it shows someone who's motivated by just being like the best and being you know strong someone who's motivated by making someone else proud of them and making someone else love them right and someone who is like I don't even know how to describe the dad he is a complicated man uh he's an asshole let's just <laughs> And yeah, for sure, an asshole, definitely narcissistic. Oh he's my least favorite character. Cannot he's stand the worst. I was gonna say we need to talk about our our least favorite characters because he. I thought I couldn't like takes um, the cake. He takes the cake. I thought there was gonna be like Saruman was gonna be my worst. I hate so Denethor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know that like we're way off track now. Yeah. But like just with the dad, like at first I was like, oh, he's been driven like to grief by the fact that his son was gone and then i remembered like no he said he wanted faramir to no, come back dead he, so wants, he just wanted to kill him no he he doesn't care about faramir he boromir is like the one true like best son oh, God. Mm-hmm. do you feel bad mm-hmm. for Faramir? like i get it that's and third is like i get it he just wants to make his dad proud and that's why he freaking tried to take the ring to gondor he I, just wanted to i also am willing like i'm willing to put this on the record that his death is one of the most dramatic things in the history of movies he lights himself on fire and then jumps off of like a thousand foot wall of the city i was like holy crap this is the most dramatic thing i've ever seen it was incredible it was was it was art (laughs) it was art (laughs) okay sorry to like interrupt this with a fun fact but i just think it's like the best place to put this so you know how pippin um which also i'd like to say mary and pippin and became first that way annoyed the hell out of me and then by the end of the series i love them both so much like <laughs> insane amount um but he the reason why pippin sings in the third movie and yes this does happen in the book but they did not intend on putting it in there and one time the cast like while they were filming one of the other movies um they went and they were at a bar doing karaoke and Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin, was singing and screen one of the screenwriters was there and heard him and he has a pretty good voice. So she was like, oh, I remember that Pippin <laughs> actually sings um, during the, you know, right before the battle. Um, <laughs> so we're going to put that in there. And so she took the, like the lyrics from the book and like added it to the script. Isn't Damn, that crazy? Really and John, cool. and I wanted to say that just because we were watching it and John was like, he has a beautiful voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. When well, Anna was like, I don't think that's him. I was like, and maybe was that's like, someone no, else. Definitely him. <laughs> I've definitely tried looking it up on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 like eerie. I kind of liked it. I think it would have mm-hmm. been weird without, I mean, I'm sure they would have put some other instrumental or like someone else talking like with yeah. a voiceover. But like the emotion in this, in these films are is so that's funny because like when we were talking last week that was one of the um critiques that that they didn't stay so true like peter jackson didn't he did a good job of um adapting the book but a lot of it he really focused on a lot of the war and mm-hmm. not so much the emotions and the characters and you know i kind of get that because those things don't always translate well into movies like we've seen that happen in some of these like I think best one is Divergent. Divergent is like a very emotional, very like mind heavy and like those kinds of things books and they're amazing books. I think I love The Hunger Games more, but I think they're honestly more better. It's a better story and well written than Hunger Games. But the thing is The Hunger Games played better to film because it was 
there's more action and there's more like these things that you can show on screen. So I get it in that point, but I feel like it's funny because I didn't read the book, but I just feel like there's so much emotion in these films anyway. What else are we missing? And I get there's probably some, you know, people like Legolas and Gimli and we probably didn't see all of like their, the things that we could have seen from them, I guess maybe. Um, But I was like, I was crying in the second movie. I was sobbing in the third movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the just emotion. And I think the thing is, it's not even like, Yes, there's emotion like in other, like obviously I cry during Harry Potter <laughs> and I cry during Marvel, but I feel like the emotion in this is like such a complicated, um, like sometimes you can't even like find the words to like explain what even is happening. I just think it's such like a high concept of like, of these emotions and like the the con- the themes that they're, they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's just like that constant pull of like, I don't want to be doing this, but this is what is asked of me and is required of me. And if I don't, no one will kind of. So yeah, it just pulls at the heartstrings. It does. It really does. I mean, I, I will, I've made it known last episode. I'll make it known now. I think Samwise <laughs> is the best, best person on the planet, like in Middle Earth. I, he is the hero. Like if, if Sam was not there, this would not have happened. And, like, there's no way that the ring would have gotten destroyed. And, like, it breaks – it broke my heart, like, so much. Like, the in the second – in the first movie when he was, like, I – he's, like, I must go with you. This is my, like – I my pro- I made a promise and I will not break it. And then the second – I mean, every movie, it's just, like, he go he has to do all these he – he gets, like, the the – like the butt of everything. And he is like, I don't care. I'm going to do this and I'm going to help Frodo. Like in the second movie, I'm crying because he's like, he's like, I like, I want to protect you and I just want to be there for you and I'll, I'll follow you till the end. And then in this third movie, when it like broke my heart, oh. when like he fi- Gollum like finally corrupt, like corrupted Frodo and like made it seem like Sam wanted to take the ring for himself. But all Sam wanted to do was just lift the burden for my- him. My absolute favorite Sam moment is when he says, like, I may not be able to carry the ring for you, but, but I can carry I will, you. Yes. Okay. That's the thing I said. That's the thing I said. And John's like, yeah. how'd you remember that? And I was like, I don't know. I, just, I got goosebumps. Yes, just I now. Just, got, just thinking about him. He's like, I can't carry the ring, but I'll carry you. And I was like, oh my God, Sam. Right. It's just to me, that is the epitome of Sam and just his absolute pureness. Yeah. Like pureness. undying loyalty to Frodo and to this quest and like he yeah and and that's the thing is like the whole time you're seeing like he's just this simple hobbit that just wants to have his life in the shire and like he mm-hmm. you know he keeps talking about how he wants he's like for the right for the walk home for the journey home for this and in the end when he realizes like I don't think we're going home yeah Frodo. and it's like oh, just and everything is burning and all he can do is just sit there and visualize the shire you know mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's the only. And that's the thing is like he just he has that he he's that constant source of hope. I think for Frodo, like if he didn't have that, like Frodo would not have the sense of hope and would have probably succumbed to the ring a lot earlier. Right. Yeah. And like, so I guess okay, that's my question about the ring is like, so why? So I guess we are kind of talked about, and that's why Sam never has any kind of inkling of, and even when he's like giving it back to when he does take it because he thinks that. um he thinks that Frodo died and he took it for safekeeping. I still think when he's giving it back to him, I don't think it 
I know he hesitates, but like from my understanding, it didn't seem like it was because he wanted the ring for himself, but he just didn't want it to affect Frodo anymore. I think he was almost like, is it better if I carry it? Can I carry it? Should I give it back to him? Because, you know, we saw what happened. I mean, he kept trying to put that freaking ring on and we got (laughs) we got to the end and he's like, no. I'm not, and like Sam is like, <laughs> oh, right. I was screaming. I'm like, God damn it, Frodo, just throw the ring. How hard can it be? At that part, I smeared my face into my hands <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I mean, honestly, thank God for Gollum trying to come take the ring because otherwise that damn thing would not have got, ever gone in. Also, like, I am so happy that he bites his finger off when he's invisible and we don't see that, like, for real. That is like, I mean, if they would have made us see that after watching him put a literal live-ass fish and we have, like, a great high-def image. Like, I I didn't look at it. I was like, this is gross. Why would they do this to us? That's so gross. I mean, the, the realism and the special effects in this film are amazing. I mean, I still, like, for being a 2001 through 2003 movie... It, it amazes me because the only thing that looks bad is the is the army of the, the dead. army of the dead. It looks mm-hmm. ter- it looks like legitimately we we were watching, like haunted mansion. We were watching last night, and that was my word. I was like, "This looks like Disney's haunted mansion." It also it's, looks it's like bad. um the it also looks like what's it called Pirates of the Caribbean too. Like yeah. similar kind, kind of yeah. Uh, it's weird, but it Maybe is they ran out of budget. It's remarkable though because like you were saying. I mean, you, you really can't even think of these in the years they came out since it was all shot at once and they worked in them all at once. This is 20-year-old effects, mm-hmm. and it has aged so gracefully. I mean, better than better than Harry Potter, I'd say. I mean, the yeah. trees, the trees are amazing. I love the trees. I love, the, what are they called? The Erds? Ents. 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 <laughs> I love the Ents. I was like, when they were like, go, he's like, this, there is no swear, like, word on earth to talk about, like, this treachery. Like, we must fight. And I was like, oh, yes! <laughs> go, Treebeard! Such a good character. He's he's so he's so pure, too. Like, such a, mm-hmm. he's like, it, we don't talk very much, so it takes know, a long we, time. Well, he was like, we don't anything talk about anything saying, not worth yeah, saying. Anything worth saying takes a long time and end. And I was like, pure, but, like, get a move on. <laughs> I mean, thank God for the, thank God for the hobbits being like, no, you need to do something. Well, the only, the only or just reason being like, why hey, take us south. Yeah. It wasn't until they saw like what was happening to their forest, yeah. their, you know, brothers essentially that they were like, oh, I, no way. Mm-hmm. We are not down for this. No. Um, okay. So I want to talk about the special effects just a bit. I have a f- couple fun facts, kind of like how John had that one about the rendering. So number one. Oliphant, the Oliphant, <laughs> like, so John's like, so the, on the subtitles, it's, we're, John's like, oh, hell yeah, there's elephants in this. And then it goes, Oliphant stomping. And we're like, Oliphant. You know, they were, uh, isn't that something that they got nominated for? Because I specifically so remember won, that scene. Um, They won for, so they won for both the second and third movie, maybe the first one too for visual effects. Yeah, best visual effects. Um, but I, I believe think for all three they did. I believe because um, I saw the YouTube. You can like look up the Oscar like reel that they showed for what the body of work was, and that the Oliphants were one I'm of sure. the things. Yeah. I mean, they look they look incredible. And so that is right. Still, still, that Oliphant car- carcass is the biggest prop ever used in movie history. Still, wow. and Peter Jackson said he wished it was bigger. 
Wait, so when they say oh prop, like, what did they make it out of? Is it like a... I don't know. It's an actual prop. Like, it's not wow. like that was that was not CGI or anything. That was a prop. How do I go about seeing it? Well, so you can see a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for these movies. Because um, I was watching the behind-the-scenes for the Battle of Helm's Deep, where you can see it with just none of the effects, just what it actually looked like. And a lot of this stuff... For how much special effects they use, a lot of it is what's called practical effects, where it's real. It's it's crazy to see though. They mm-hmm. just like green screen out some stuff. Yeah, and so that's so that's another good. So usually an average move, an average big budget movie has about um, two hundred special effects scenes, and in the Return of the King alone, there was fourteen hundred over fourteen hundred scenes. Of special effects. And I think, again, like we talked about last time, that's because they did have to do a lot of practical effects where yeah. they they took, they take a scene with Gandalf and then a scene with, um, with Frodo. Uh, Frodo. So like, and so that this, right. and I'm sure like there are things like, I also think it's probably a lot like that because now it is so much easier for them to do these, you know, if you think about, if you've seen the behind the scenes for the final battle in um, Infinity War and in no, sorry, not Infinity War. Well, yes, Infinity War Endgame. and Endgame, especially Endgame. It, it's a lot easier for them to like create these crazy, these crazy, like lifelike looking uh, sets. But here, like they did this in New Zealand. A lot of these, like the the battle for the where where Sauron lives, whatever that's called. Uh, oh, the Battle of the Black Gate. The Battle of Black Gate. Uh, uh-huh. Um, they like had that was like on a minefield. And they had to go through and like make sure there weren't any mines like in this desert in New Zealand. And um, also they had they needed so many extras for that battle. But they called in the New Zealand Armed Forces. No. Really? Yes. To be extras. because They had needed like over 200 like extras. Oh, and apparently God. you would think that they would be like super like poised and like, you know, they're they're in the army so like they know how to yeah. but no they were so excited to be on set that they kept breaking things they kept breaking like their props <laughs> like they were like yeah 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 oh my gosh that's goofy so i mean it's just it's when you like read i mean obviously it, you know it, it's an epic film all three of these and like the battles in them are are epic and they just get bigger and bigger every time but then when you think about it i just feel like you don't realize how much went into this mm-hmm. and it's just nuts I mean, it's truly remarkable that they filmed, I mean, they filmed three movies over the course of 14 months. The fact it only took 14 months to get this footage is mind-blowing when you sit back and think about how much work. I mean, like, Anna gave a really fun fact today. Gimli, the actor who played him, was the tallest actor of any of the cast members. And so they had to, did they do it digitally or, like, they had to do all of his scenes were I, I they made know. him mini. Like and how much work went can into I, this? Can I just say that Gimli and Legolas's relationship is my favorite? Like the best little best Check friends. Like, like 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> He's Gimli, like, Gimli, throw, throw me. Don't tell the elf. <laughs> Gimli has a death wish, and it is yes. it is hilarious. Gimli's like, I will die. Like just being ridiculous like he has no fear he just goes for it well he has one fear it's going into the cave of the dead yeah and he's that's like it. the other dwarves will will never let me hear the end of it if i don't go in here and you're like that's so, where you draw like, the line dude part of that kind of like i don't know rivalry but it's deeper than that it's worse like between the elves and the dwarves like um 
I mean, specifically with Gimli. So Legolas's father imprisoned Gimli. So that's an excellent piece of background information oh. for why that friendship is like taboo. And that's why in the end he says, and I'll die and you'll die next to a friend. Yes. He goes, that sounds good. I'm like, okay, this makes yeah. so much sense. I just thought like dwarves and elves didn't like each other. That's part of it too, in general. Like at race to race, they yeah. are not friendly. Yeah. Oh, there's like, yeah, there's just so many good. I mean, we could just like talk for like ever about and like Elo- what's Elowen? Um, the feet, the woman from the daughter of the king that Eowyn. Like, Eowyn. Eowyn. She's the she is she's uh the niece. I of- did think he she's the niece. Okay. okay, we couldn't we were trying to figure out if she was the niece or not because um what's his name? The guy from uh that you love that you have like a uh, crush oh, on. Carl Urban, whoever he Carl plays. Urban. It's another E name. Her Eomer? brother. Yeah, a- yes. her cousin. I think no, it's cousin. No, right? I think that's her no, brother. No, you're right. He's, it's brother. he's a nephew. Yeah. So, so I was like, I thought they were brother and sister, but John thought she was the sister of the guy that died, who was his, yeah, whatever. It, the know, heir to the throne. The heir to the throne. There we go. Very confusing. But she, I did not, I thought she was really annoying at first. And then when she's like, I am no woman. And I'm like, yes, go girl, you kill him. <laughs> and then, and then Mary comes out of nowhere and I'm like, little mary i mean also she had one of maybe the coolest scene of the entire trilogy when she just scooped up mary onto her horse that was so cool like just Mm -hmm. a very just like a tiny little detail where i'm like they didn't really need to make that look that cool but they did Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just so good but um i will like that oh i have one last fun fact just about elijah elijah wood is such an interesting man um, I've like, there's so many things like about him and like how into these films he was. And actually my mom today was like, whatever happened to him? And I was like, he's in a few other things, but you know what? He's like not in shit. He doesn't need to do anything else. Okay. He was he, like, this is it. He why was a super fan. Surpasses. That's why he wanted to be in it too. Like he like was super yeah. into this. So, so cute. Elijah Wood actually had a secret talent. Um, he was really good <laughs> at doing fixed stairs and for a long time and not blinking. And so when he, they think he's dead and he's not moving his eyes, like that's real. That's him doing that. I was that's like, not oh. just like a wax dummy. No. no, that's him. Like he was just laying there with his eyes open, no blinking for a long time. That's unnerving, but awesome. Yeah. Like <laughs> the actors in this movie, like just got like him and also like uh, Vigo Mortensen is like an amazing man. Like just, he plays Aragorn. Oh. He like knows like six languages, learned Elvish. Um, he, a bunch of them. Learned he learned Elvish. how to. He learned how to like use his like use a real sword. So like he actually had like a steel like heavy ass sword when he fought, and like same thing with like I just all these people just like loved this movie so like loved this this like culture and like this lore so much that they got so into it. And I'm like that just makes it all the better. Takes method acting to a different level. <laughs> well, this is like not even an insult, but you can tell a lot of the people involved in this cast were like actual nerds. Yeah. <laughs> like like not just that they're actors, but they're like, oh, I like this. And and you can tell in other franchises sometimes that someone's just getting a check. Mm-hmm. But this is like they they really care. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a incorrect perception. No, of this. I think so. I think they all I, I like to think so. I think you have to be to do it well to to be the performer that this yeah. film deserves. <laughs> yeah, and they all got like gifts at the end. So like 
Arwen got her dress, like the like the, the dress that she like is dying in. Same, like Vigo Mortensen got, um, he actually bought two of the horses, like because they did they did an auction. He so he bought his horse and he bought the one from Arwen, and then he also he got like his sword like things. And then the best one is that Elijah Wood and Andy, so I can't remember. Andy I want Serkis. I keep saying want to see Tadakis, Andy no. Sergis. They each got one of the rings, like the props, but they thought that they had the only one. And so each of them thought that they only they had the only one, but they each had one. So it's just like funny. And so like I think that it's like, you know, it's cute and cool and it just makes I don't know. I, I love I mean if I'm just gonna we can kind of go into like the final thoughts. I I'm just gonna say exactly what I texted Emmy when I finished. I said, amazing, spectacular. Why did it take me this long to rewatch this? Cause I am in now. Like I'm gonna, like I'm totally in this and I don't know why I wasn't before, but I think I was just too young to appreciate it. And now I'm like, everyone needs to rewatch these. Let's just make this a thing again. It's gotta be like Harry Potter, like you watch it all the time. Like, welcome to the <laughs> fandom. <laughs> and I wasn't in on it. Like last, like last episode, I was like, I like it, but like, okay, but no, like by the end, I was sobbing. I was like, this is amazing. Um, I echo the same things. I had, like I said, I'd never seen this before this. I'm super in now. I'm not going to rewatch it right away, but I do definitely want to, one, see the Hobbit trilogy, even though I know they're not as good from what I've heard from people. Um, but I do, like, I do love to read. I'm going to read the book at some point, but I just know I'm going to have to commit to, like, a long book. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Any, do you have any new thoughts after watching it this time? I don't know. Did it just you know? Yeah, this just lit the flame again. You know, <laughs> like I just I for it's one of those things where it's like this is always going to hold such a special spot in my heart. Yeah. Like J.R.O. Tolkien, he walked so J.K. Rowling, Jan Collins could run. You know, mm-hmm. and I just feel like in terms of setting the stage for what a glorious um, medieval-esque, um, fantasy film should be. Yeah. The the trilogy, the film series, the trilogy is just, like, it's up there. It's creme de la creme for me. Yes. Yes. Um, before we move on to, like, ratings and stuff, I have, like, a couple questions that aren't, like, like that aren't, like, really granular. Um, the, the first thing I wanted to start out with for all of us is, like, if you had to pick, like, one scene, or maybe two, from the trilogy that's like your favorite like what would you say that is because mm-hmm. i think for me it is it is very clearly head and shoulders the battle of helm's deep i i think that just it's the first really massive battle that you see in the movies and not that the mm-hmm. third one doesn't have good battles but it does kind of lose its luster a little bit after you see the first one so i would say that that for me because that's when you fully see the scale we are like holy crap this is massive i i think okay i can't really choose one i think it's kind of obvious i feel like anytime like we just see sam like choosing to continue to like show his his like loyalty and undying friendship for frodo and like just them to like realizing that they need each other those three scenes at the end of each movie um are my favorites. I don't know. I I wanted more. There were so many times where I'm like, we haven't seen Frodo and Sam in a while. Can we get back to them? I just feel like that's the that's the part of the story that's like the most compelling and most um emotionally mm. like close to my heart. I w- I would toss one of my favorite moments up there as kind of when all of the ents are just wreaking havoc on yeah. Isengard 
And I just feel like there, first of all, it's a beautiful moment, but it's like borderline artistic. But I think there's also so much symbolism behind that too, just in terms of like how we treat our planet and it it did not have to go there and it did. And I loved it. Yeah. Well, and two, you, you go from seeing the Ents as like these really deliberate creatures that are like really slow um, not mm-hmm. in like a bad way, but then you see them like when they're passionate, like we're going to defend our forest and our people and all that. Like it's it's just cool to see them kind of come to life yeah. after they've been so ancient. That's my favorite part mm-hmm. of the set. Like I think like objectively from the second movie, like, yeah, that's my favorite part is. And I think I agree with you. They have this they have these little themes, these little stories that like are their own that talk. That it goes into the overarching like full thing about like war and like what's right doing what's right when you're not and like you said like this this has fallen on my shoulders and if i don't want to do it but if i don't do it no one will and it's the part when mary and pippin suddenly starting they start to realize their role in this it's not that they were just like kind of swept up in it that that they must like and that's when like and and i think you know mary realizes it before pippin but mary's like we we have to do this. You you know, don't you understand? Like, we can't go back to the Shire. There will be no Shire. Like, we yeah. must do this for Middle Earth. And I was like... They they joined the quest kind of by happenstance. Like, yeah. they yeah. basically crashed Sam mm-hmm. and Frodo's party and just joined in because they were like, oh, what the heck? We don't have anything else to do. They didn't well, know. Well, also, they were like, like, we can't let them... Well, Frodo's like, we can't let them go back because they're going to tell... Yeah, like, not they're going to tell, but mm-hmm. like... Someone will find them and someone will get the information from them. So, right. Yeah, it, they definitely, they grow on you for sure. Mm-hmm. They're good. Like, I, like, we didn't talk about the thing. Like, John got really mad during this. Because, Not mad, okay, just kind of. I think he, like, came to this, this, like, and I guess you knew about these before Harry Potter, but, like, John didn't. And he came to this, like, realization. He's like, I feel like, and you know, we, we, we talked about it a lot last night. If he feels like, uh, jk rowling like took some of this stuff and put it in harry potter yeah just to like clarify exactly what i said like i don't think she fully plagiarized yeah this. like we at first we were like she ripped it off but then we're like you know obviously everyone takes from everyone else yeah. like and and lord of the rings like because anna looked it up it takes a lot of inspiration from old mythologies and like all of our Norse stories myth- do. mythology and but yeah. i feel that she took a lot of like a little bit more than inspiration from it. And I think definitely the later Harry Potter movies, because they had time, took a lot of visual cues from this series. And the one that stuck out the most to me, there two, is obviously the giant spider. But yeah, John, that John's kind of just around the same John's time. like, if it's a spider, I swear to God. Um, but the yeah. bigger one was the the locket. So the locket horcrux in Yeah, it looked it was just like it, that. It's basically the same thing. The marks on the neck yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Um, but also to like a piece of a soul being trapped in something that they wear around their neck and it turning friends against each other. And granted, those are kind of loose ideas, but like, do we think that JK Rowling took a little too much from this? Is it unrelated? Like, I don't know. So y'all know me. I'm diehard Harry Potter too. Just, you know, gotta be. Um, I will say if you sit down, you can pretty much draw a line from anything in Lord of the Rings to almost most things in Harry Potter. Like there's so I mean, there's many so many similarities parallels. between even yeah, between characters like Gandalf and Dumbledore, Frodo right. and Harry, you know, Ron and Sam. Like you can you can draw so many lines to these characters. And I you know, I don't know. Obviously their worlds are very different. I think she's built a world of her own. 
Um, but some of the like underlying themes and characters and like specific ma- magical things definitely are pointed towards that. And, and I, even the roles of some of the characters and yeah. the concept of Sauron and Voldemort. You yeah. Know? They There's say so they say he like it's not not he who shall not obviously um it's who shall not be named, but then they say like he we do not say like it's something very similar. It's like we do not speak his we name do not, or something. Yeah, something like I think uh uh, Gimli says something like that, like we don't say his name, like something like that, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, hmm. <laughs> like the Nazgul or the you know the ring rates and the Nazguls and then the Dementors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and John even lot. was like the Patronus, like with that light. With yeah, the, the light that the elves gave to them. I mean, like I said, I don't think she plagiarized the franchise because it's it's really hard to prove. Like she just said, I'm going to change this into wizards, but you know more than other media franchises that I've read or seen, like this has a lot more to do with Harry Potter than I would have expected at face value, especially the later books, which is the more important thing I would say. Cause like this brought this back into popularity after, you know, it's relevant, but she definitely had some inspiration. They did bring it back in a way. And I, I try to look at it more as like, okay, well these, Honestly, maybe these are just kind of basic stock characters, you know, basic. I do think some some of these, like, the hero's journey, like, some of these journeys are definitely, we can find that in Greek mythology, we can find that in in Norse, anything. So I think some of the over, like, but yeah, there are some specific items that are very, very, like, are a little too similar, where I'm like, ah, yeah, we see that in everything. Like, there's, you Mm -hmm. know, all these things we have now, it's always the, the hero is the person who doesn't want to be the hero, who seems like the least likely to be the hero. But is chosen. And chosen to do it, yes. And the quest, I mean, the quest thing is a huge, is already a huge thing that we have. Like, it's a story plot anyway. But yeah, I agree, there's certain, there's certain aspects. Yeah, one last thing, I would say, like, not in terms of characterization at all, but the visual design of Dobby and the visual design of Gollum, so those are close. This is why my sister, so my sister, like, loves Dobby now, like, literally was, I mean, I know, you know, everyone cries when Dobby dies, but, like, my sister was, like, inconsolable when we first saw that movie. Um, But at first, like, so Smeagol, Gollum, like, scared the shit out of my sister, and to the point where if my cousins, like, we knew that she hated, so if you were, like, my precious, she would, like, freak out and, like, get mad at you, and so we couldn't do that to her, Um, but when we saw Dobby, you know, for the, when you see him for the first time in Harry Potter, she was terrified of him, because he had such similar, like, features yeah features kind of like the way he moved and kind of the way he malnourished talked, like, yeah and the bony. way he talked kind of like a bit just a bit and obviously he didn't go like my precious be like don't be as afraid like he just kind of talked quietly so i think it scared her i mean she was young so and they came out yeah. pretty like 2003 was this movie and then i think the third Chamber movie came out 2004 2005 but, but i wouldn't look at it as just this movie because since the first one came out in 2001 they had a full production schedule to yeah. be like do 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 Okay, Nobody so slept. <laughs> I have I have two more questions, and these are much faster, I promise, because then we can move on. First, did you know, slash, are you excited for the Lord of the Rings series coming out on Amazon Prime? Yes, I'm actually, okay, so I kind of typically don't love books into ser- TV series. Yeah. I normally am like, okay, it's probably not going to be that good. I much prefer movies to film adaption. Um, but then the concept of like film cues, film world that has been created to yeah. TV, I I'm on board with that now. I, so I'm excited. Um, 
I don't know much about it though, to be honest. I've so, only seen it in a couple headlines. So I read a little bit about it this morning um, after seeing it for the first time earlier in the week. Um, it is supposed to be pre the Hobbit. So it's like, it's like old earth. It's, it's after the war where Sauron fell, but before the ring is rediscovered. So it's is that the be- third age or second age? I think it's the I second. Know. I so don't know. It's similar. I mean, sorry, it's not the same, but it, it's kind of like that similar weird time frame, like with between power, um, like the Mandalorian is. Kind of, yeah. Mm. But um, it's supposed to come out this year. So they got delayed filming due to COVID, but they're back and they've been filming since September. Amazon hasn't put an exact release date, but some people think it's going to be like October-ish. Um, so it, it, it's either going to be this year or early next year, depending on, you know, how long production takes. John, should we be, I don't know why you saying October, should we be some of these characters for Halloween? Probably not. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to be like anything related. You'll to be this. Aragorn. I'll be Arwen. I just got to dye my hair. Like, oh no, wait, she's brown hair. Yeah. Brownish red. Yeah. She's got brown hair. I was thinking of like Legolas, like how they all have white, like white hair. All right. Perfect. That's perfect. All right. We're good. We got our Halloween costume done. Okay. So the last question I had, and this is, I, I think I know my answer, but do you guys think that this, the third movie in particular was worthy of being best picture? Because for me, that's the equivalent of something like Avengers Endgame winning Best Picture. But I don't think the answer is no, because I think they gave it to it on the basis of like the entire trilogy, since it's basically one movie. And I think that it's 100% deserving because of how much work it took. I need to look up who else was nominated. Yeah, I have no idea who it won against. The nominations for Best Picture... Ugh, like Seabiscuit? This year Ew. sucked. Ew, I hate that movie so much. Okay, wait, Best Picture. All right, all right. so the nominations for Best Picture at the 2004 Academy Awards were Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. I don't even know what that movie is. Um, Mystic River, never heard of it. Seabiscuit and Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. By that, I would say this was the winner of that year. <laughs> um, I saw Master and Commander... And that is the only movie in my mind that can hold a flame uh, in those other nominations. But yeah. not even, not even, barely. Yeah, I, and you know, even if it was a different year, and the, I guess that's kind of one of the questions I had was like, is this better in your mind than, let's say, the last um, Harry Potter, the part, Delta Hollows Part 2, and is this better than Endgame and Infinity War? And I think those are the two things that we can like kind of point. I mean, I guess you could also say like the last, um, like the trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, but like I feel like those are the two like those mm-hmm. are epic fantasy like end of an era movies um and i you know i i mean i cr- definitely cry more at marvel and i love endgame like in a very like personal sense but I, if i'm gonna say like objectively like is this a better movie than those two yes yeah do i believe that this movie above those deserves an academy award yes because I think that these it has these themes of like very Academy Award like, you know, themes rather than just um, more. Yeah. Just the action like, you know, these based like that world and those stories. It's like things. And obviously there are things in Harry Potter and there are things in Marvel that we can take and put into our world, but not as much and like not with the amount of weight. And the weight of this like film was just so much more, I think 
ever. It's not as popular, but I think it like we've said it like opened up doors for a lot of these other films and with special effects and things like that. So yeah, I think it deserved it. It definitely deserved it in 2004 and I think it deserves it in any other time. I don't know if it would win every year. Not every year, but I think if if the movies, yeah. if there were better movies in this, I still think like it would deserve it because it is culturally significant. Yeah, I think where I yes. land is that one of the three movies deserved a best picture. It logically makes sense that the last one would be what you award it for this massive cinematic achievement. Um, but if they would have given it to Two Towers, I wouldn't be upset because I really like Two Towers. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, objectively in my mind, this is the best of the three yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'd agree with that do you so you think that they that it would uh win an, it should win an academy award oh i do i think you hit the nail on the head with saying it's culturally significant because i really i really truly do i think that um i mean i think this film this trilogy really opened the door in terms of like pushing the envelope on what you could include in a fantasy film you yeah. know i was i was saying this last week i think that something like game of thrones probably doesn't happen if lord of the rings didn't have the cultural impact that it had yeah i also i mean i've said this before i think that more fantasy i mean and it's, this has been it's been almost 20 years now since this did win but and like all these nominations happen and like how, you know, this is the, the, this film series has the most nominations of any film series ever. It's the, like, it's tied for the largest sweep. It's also like the second, it's only the second sequel to have won best picture, but I, which is all great feats, but then still we don't get fantasy and like, you know, these fantasy kinds of like non-realistic movies nominated for these things besides effects. Like, yeah. Uh, the only time we've had like really things that like is like space movies and stuff like that, like a lot of like going to like you know, uh, whatever that one was with, um, with uh, I can't remember his name. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but we had like, like Interstellar. We had like a lot of like space movies, but like yeah, other than like, Gravity, that's what I was thinking. Of. Um, but no, or like The Shape of Water. <sighs> uh, so, <laughs> but other than that, like they these films don't get the recognition. I think sometimes it's because the Academy doesn't feel like they show real and they've said this that they're not like true to real life and they don't show the realism of what like the human uh like the the human condition is and i think that that's just not true and they these films like that really should get the recognition they deserve and lord of the rings is one of them yeah right and like do we have orcs no do we have (laughs) dragons no but that doesn't mean that these are very real life concepts that are you know that are thematic in the movies and i think that they are so so integral to kind of understanding the human condition i love Mm -hmm. it yeah yeah all right let's move along to rating um just rating the two movies um and i was gonna say we're gonna rank them but i feel like we're all on the same page that it goes one two three so or goes three sorry, two, three, two one. one that's what i meant but you know um it gets better as it goes on so i'm i'll start i'm gonna say number two is a 92 and my number three is a 90 okay so 90 i'm gonna say 99 um i'm gonna do something i've never done before i'm gonna revise a score from last week I gave the first one a 97, yeah, which was, was so stupid high. because I hadn't seen the rest. <laughs> I'm bumping that down to a 90. It's good, but it's definitely the worst of the three by a long <laughs> shot. Uh, number two is a 95, and the third one is a 98. I would also put the third one at a 98. For me, number the second one, 
it is better than the first in my eyes, but it is still not like, it's not my favorite. I prefer the fellowship over yeah. the two towers mm. for me, but in terms of, you know, a quality of a movie and the story and everything, it is better, but I would put the second at like, um, probably, probably a 90. I would give it a 90. Okay. And that third one? 98. Oh yeah. So I, I think yeah. you may have said that. I started I just, with a third. <laughs> I was like, I'm so confused. I, I got excited. I, I think like one more thing before we move on to, to like just ranking stuff. Um, The second one, I would agree that like the first one probably is a like more interesting movie just because the second one starts out so slow. I that's think just the second my, like, one is monotonous for me. Yeah. A little, they kind of, they do rehash some points and it's like, I do think, I think though, John, if we rewatch The Fellowship, because at first I just feel like we were kind of confused and trying to catch, you were trying to catch up, but if you watched it again, I feel like it is like you've said, and I, I think I've talked to you about this before, like, it's like, you like it because it's kind of reintroducing you to this world over and over again, and it's like fun, and there, it is a happier movie. Oh, for sure. The second movie is kind of depressing a lot of it. Like, you're, the only comedic relief you really get is from Legolas and Gimli. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. just about okay so now that we have rated our movies and made all of those thoughts known we are going to get on to our top five favorite characters this is so hard um we can start with any honorable mentions if we want i don't know who wants to go first if emmy would like to go first as our guest she can but if not no, i don't care yeah i'll go first with an honorable mention my honorable mention and I had difficulty in deciding whether I should include this character in the top five but I decided against it um honorable mention is Gandalf just because he is a powerhouse Ian's a powerhouse um and I just don't think that the obviously the story just could not have occurred without him yeah I agree he was in my he was in my top five last time but I just feel like there's other characters that like are closer to my heart now (laughs) That's how I feel too. To spoil, he is not on my top five after being on mine after the first movie. He uh, he really isn't as interesting as I thought that he was. I think the first movie is like you're like yeah, Gandalf's awesome, and then after after you're kind of like yeah, he is like integral and like he's a big part, but he's not. And I think maybe it's because more and more of these characters figure out like their own strengths and like they don't they don't need to rely like like just rely as much on Gandalf maybe that's why it's like kind of like oh you see these other people growing and Gandalf just stays static um my honorable mention I got two a uh, spoiler well I don't know I'm not gonna mention one because like it's fine okay no I'm just gonna mention <laughs> I'm gonna mention Air Eowyn how do you say her name again Eowyn 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 but she's an E so I'm like Eowyn Eowyn I really just had to mention her because at first I really didn't like her and then by the end of the movie I was like I love you so much I want to be you so she's that's she couldn't make it to the thrive but that's who is my honorable mention uh my honorable mention is a combo it is um Pippin and Mary I love them they're great but I just couldn't find a place for them and I also consider them just like one person even though that's wrong they are different like they're the same in my mind they're a package deal yeah okay uh, Emmy, we will number take your number five. five. All right. My number five, Anna, you touched on her. It's Aon. Um, just I had just a hell yes women moment with her in the third. Like just in that 
battle scene when the shield is splintered as she's fighting the Nazgul King. And she is the only one to stand up besides Mary. Mary tried to stand up on behalf of Theoden as he's just lying underneath the horse, you know, and the Nazgul King's coming at him. And she, she just, yes, annoyed me to begin with her infatuation of Aragorn. And I think that's what annoyed me. It's like, why do we have to get like, this is, I think that's like, I think you should probably have the same, like frustration with movies that and like stories like it's like why do we always have to have why do women always have to have a love interest why can't we just be strong characters that like live on their own and so yeah. that's why I was like and I think that's why I annoyed me with her because I was like not her specifically but just like the premise of it the cliche mm-hmm. yeah it's just mm-hmm. such a annoyant and I'm like oh can't she just be like she wants to she's a fighter let her like let, let's yeah. just build on that that she wants to be a fighter and no one else will acknowledge her besides Aragorn Right. Yeah. I just, I loved her strength at the end. I think it was. Plus like that scene is like way better than anything Marvel has tried to do with. With girl power. uh, I love, I love Marvel, but like all the girl power shit in there is bullshit. And they don't do nearly enough for characters like Scarlet Witch. Like, no. And now they are. So you'll really like this because it shows off like her so much more. But Mm. so I I feel that. I feel that (laughs) deeply. (laughs) You're up next. Oh, I'm up next. I forgot. Okay, so uh, my number five is Treebeard. I love <laughs> That's also my number five. Okay, good. I love Respectable. Him. He is so sweet. I want to be his best friend, and I just want him to carry me around. Like, And it's... <laughs> ugh, I don't even know how else to describe it. John, hopefully you'll be more eloquent. I just... I think that the... Like, there's a lot of things in this series that I can honestly say I haven't seen in a movie before. But the characterization of these, like, living trees that are just so absurd is, like, one of my favorite things I've ever seen in a movie. It is just, it is so wholesome yes. and, and just pure. It's yeah. great. I, I don't really know what to, else to say about them. Mm-hmm. They're so wise. That too. <laughs> so wise. All right. Number four. All right. Um, my number four is Legolas. I just think he, I mean, Orlando Bloom, you know, first of (laughs) all, but, but I just, I think especially in the second and third movies, that's when we really see just his core, like he has such a strong belief system and moral compass. And I just, I just love that about him. He's a bright spot, I think, Mm -hmm. in the later movies. So it's funny because mine, my number four is Gimli. I... And he, like, was really not on my radar the first movie. But the second, too, I think maybe he might have surpassed. Like, I really like Legolas. But I think he might have surpassed him. Because he just is so funny. And, like, and again, like, and I think I agree with, like, that. And I think I said the last time. He just is such a, he, he has no fear. Like, Legolas just wants, he knows what he must do and he will do it. Um, no matter what the cost. And, like, his sort, sense of friendship and, like, the fellowship is so strong. But then there's Gimli, who... Like, it's such a different, he's, like, has no fear because, like, he will, like, he will go to any lengths to make sure that, like, this, this, this ring, this fellowship is protected. Like, he, like, will get thrown places. He'll, like, take down, he's just crazy man, and I love it. No matter what has, like, no matter what kind of, like, predispositions he has to, like, elves to anything, like, he's just, like, we must do what we must do, and, like, <laughs> yes. Uh, my number four is also Legolas. Um, oh, he, I mean, one, I'm a sucker for Orlando Bloom. I think that I he him. is one of the most charismatic, like whenever he's on screen, his characters always have <sighs> charisma. True. And like, I liked him in the first movie, but like you said, Emmy, the second and third are really where he kind of 
like opens up and you we just get a lot more of his character and similar to Gimli like he serves as this comic relief but it's not it's not like there's cheap jokes like it just he's a fantastic character and I just I just really liked him Mm -hmm. my number three is Gimli um I feel like we're like kind of staying around the same here but (laughs) um no I so Gimli is obviously a dwarf and dwarves are greedy they are a greedy greedy race and you see that a lot more in Hobbit but um I love that Gimli is just he's able to kind of surpass that in that you know, this is about teamwork, you know, and just yeah. the camaraderie. Like he definitely has that pride in, of him. Yes. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I think I saw that, too, and I guess I didn't know that. But I feel like, yes, there's this growth within him. And you're like, oh, I see it. I love it. Just you're growing. Mm-hmm. There is. I love him so much. He's so it's so I'll cool. throw him any day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw me. Like, I just. <laughs> <laughs> that scene, like, I was dying. And then he just like, he's like and he's like, I can't wait. And like when when him and Legolas are standing at the top, and he's like, what's going on? Are they coming at? He's like, do you want me to get you a stool? I'm like, yes, get this man a stool. He can't see shit. Okay, my number three is Pippin and Mary. I had to put them together. I love them. I like they really just like all the things I said. But Mary, I like Mary more because Pippin is an idiot. And, like, when he grabs the thing. But I think they needed to be separated because I think I see, see their, like, them individually so much. And, like, their beliefs and, like, what they and, – and, like, how they've grown and, like, all that. You see it so much more when they're apart. Um, like, especially with – especially with Pippin. Like, he be, he was this person, like, didn't care. And, like, all he wanted was, like – and he kind of was, like, a layout, the greediness. Like, he's, like, I always want to look. I'm just – he's so – they're so curious. He's so curious. And, but you see him start to realize like what we're fighting for and like what, what this is. And like, you know, it's a war that he must be a part of. Um, and then they find each other in the end and and Mary's like, I knew you'd find me. It's so cute. Just, they're great. So that's my number three. My number three. Um, it seems like me and Emmy are kind of thinking along the same lines. <laughs> it is also Gimli. I don't really have much to add on top of what you guys both said, but, um, similar, uh, to you one line i did love is when he's like oh you couldn't have picked a better spot like just expounding oh yeah expounding on the like he's short like that scene is just so unintentional it's intentionally funny but it is just it's just great so he's my number three my number two and anna i kind of spoiled it for you i told you that this person is not my number one shocking Mm -hmm. sam sam wise i just i mean he again just unconditional loyalty and truly like love friend love for Frodo. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just his commitment to people and commitment to, um, taking care of others. Like if he was an Enneagram, he'd be a type two for sure. Yes. He's so sweet. (laughs) Okay. My number two is Aragorn. I feel like that's also my number two. Okay. Yeah. I struggled like with this, like trying to get like where I wanted him. And I didn't want to be, I feel like it was just basic. Like I felt like I was being, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, Aragorn. But I think he had such a great story arc of like what his what you know what his destiny was and not wanting that, but like knowing he must like fulfill that destiny and, and being and being scared to and I think we all deal with this like being scared to fail and being scared to to mess up that destiny because of everything that's come before him. Uh but he is a like just like a righteous man, a like 
he's a great fighter and he will do what he must to do like what's right and yes although him some some stuff with him and arwen really weird. annoying and weird but it's okay i'll, I'll get past that um, just to add on, because he's my number two as well. Okay. Like, so much of these movies, even though he's not the person making the journey to Mordor, like, so much of this movie, or this franchise, is really his journey to, like, stepping into the role that he was destined for as this leader of men and, you know, reestablishing his family's bloodline and, you know, really... You cannot de- deny the return of the king. Like, I mean, I think you can make a good argument that he's the main character well, of this franchise. That's something that people were also mad about because they felt like that Peter Jackson focused too much on that men were the savior. And that's not what the mm-hmm. books were about. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yes, when we watch it, like, and like, so like I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely see that, like, it's definitely at the forefront that, like, this, like, about men and about... yeah. And so maybe that's what Peter Jackson took out of the book. So I guess. Maybe. Did but you like being someone who like read the books? I mean, does like that piss you off or like. I, I do get irked a little bit in that. I don't it's the story has never been about men. You know, mm-hmm. it it's it's and it's frustrating. I mean, obviously we are human. Um, and so we gravitate towards stories that we can relate to and be about. And so I think Aragorn was maybe in the movies positioned more as kind of like, um, sort of like the saving grace to everything. Um, yeah. so I do get it from that standpoint. Definitely. Yeah. Also Viggo Mortensen's like awesome. So yeah, maybe great, that's probably why <laughs> too. Sorry. Did you have anything else to say? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm only able to think about it from the position of the movies. Yeah. So Mm-hmm. Just think it's worth to mention. Yeah, I, I just think he was fantastic. Okay, nothing else. Da da da. Emmy's number one because it's not my number one. In any case, it is Aragorn. He really <laughs> is my number one. But you really fooled me. I thought you were gonna like come out and say Frodo. I thought you were gonna come no. out and be like just some random character that no. like Boromir. He died, but. <laughs> No, it's Theoden. No, um, no, my favorite <laughs> character. He truly is my favorite character in this whole thing, and and I had a hard time because I was kind of like jumping between Sam and Aragorn. But truly, every time Aragorn is around, like I just think his moral compass is on the right way, which yes. is something to say for him being a man. So I like to look at it in terms of like what is the growth opportunity with these characters and how are they defying odds? And he also sees when his moral compass, like when, like when he's trying to deny, he doesn't deny to Frodo in the first movie when he's like, would you take it if you could? Like, yeah. And he's like, he knows like the weaknesses that he has, but the the self-awareness that he has to know that like, it won't do him any good is what differentiates him from the rest of man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to view this also and say like, he's almost an example, not, not an example, but it's almost a representation of how good we can be as human yeah. beings. Yeah. Um, if we kind of don't bow our heads to that type of corruption, that type of like ill will. So I really like him. I think he's unwavering throughout the entire thing. You know exactly what you're going to get with Aragorn, which is almost a relief in these types of movies because there's a lot of whiplash. Very true. Um, I think John and I is the same. Yeah, we have the same Okay, one. so <laughs> no surprise, no change. Uh, Samwise the Brave. <laughs> I I mean, I've already said I absolutely love him. I think, like, it, in the core of this, I said last night that I feel like this 
at, at some points and like in a way this is also Sam's story and that's kind of what we get in the end yeah. is that it becomes it, you know it goes from being Bilbo's story to Frodo's story and now it's Sam's story and he he comes out of this you know a lot of these people are forever changed and especially Frodo who like still doesn't feel himself and doesn't feel like he can be back to be he, he's like I've gone through all this I can't be a hobbit anymore mm-hmm. um and you know it's it's amazing again like yeah you see the unwavering like the unwavering hope and and pure and the pureness of him that he can he can have this family and like be happy and continue the story and so i was just like bawling <laughs> like and i was like crying when he's with family I'm like it's sam it's all sam so yeah yeah I, I mean the only thing i can add on top of that is just that as like this pinnacle of like unwavering friendship it, it's just it is just so pure and so wholesome and that even even when like Gollum betrays him and causes Frodo to lose faith and like he doesn't give up it's the Mm -hmm. same as in the first movie when he's going to try and swim to Frodo even though he He can't can't even though he's going to drown like that loyalty is just really the biggest thing I take away from this entire series is like it's hope and loyalty like that's that's Lord of the Rings I just don't know if like other if other films like or stories have like gotten that so right like his character is so strong like it it, and i haven't seen like you know there's a best friend there's all these best friend characters and yes like unwavering loyalty but like his is such a like a unique and like just oh you know i I would say harry potter got close with neville yes Um, yes yes i I think that i feel the same way and neville's my was my number one (laughs) was my number one um he's my favorite harry potter character but like i think yeah that's I feel the same way. I think Neville's like very similar to he's the lo- loyalty of him. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Valinor and kind of what that journey means at the end of the third. And mm-hmm. I just want to touch mm-hmm. on it because you mentioned it a little bit and how Frodo was so changed that, you know, he went to Valinor because he just couldn't heal in Middle yeah. Earth. Yeah. Um, and I will say like, so this is just, I think, really, really sweet. But eventually down the road, Sam, Legolas and Gimli all continue to journey to Valinor as well. Oh. So Sam, le- Sam does join Frodo there eventually. And so those are supposedly, they're J.R. Tolkien favorite most you know beloved characters and so he sends them to Valinor to kind of have you know their their prolonged life there so they don't die I think it's so sweet that is sweet they are the best love those three (laughs) I think they were all our top three or top four at least yeah I kind of regret not getting Legolas up there but it's okay. I kind of I knew that you guys were going to, so I was like, I gotta like get some different. Gotta get Pippin and Mary in there. So just <laughs> beard. like not related to any of our lists, but just what I found interesting googling. Like most people think that if you're ranking your top characters from this movie, it's like eight characters total to choose from, and it's like some combination of the five or six that we had, no. and then like two others. No, I had like more on my like. There was a lot of different like in my head. Well, so if you like, a lot of people don't have Frodo on theirs, which none of us had Frodo, I believe. I, it's the same reason why I don't have Harry Potter on mine. Like, I love, I like Frodo, I like him a lot, but like, he, he's not that interesting. To he's me. not that interesting. Yeah, he's just he's he's kind of a vessel for narrative. He, I was just gonna say the vehicle. Yeah, and and like, is there a problem with that? No, but. Like we don't really see any growth out of Frodo. He but, just, he, you know, he accepts his can, responsibility. But how can and... Frodo grow though? Like there is no way for That's, him. He, yeah. I think the unwavering, like I think 
what's what I think is I respect the most about Frodo is that like the amount of hurt and like I mean he didn't he got freaking stabbed by one of those things and he still said I will take it and yes part of it could have it's partly because like the whole my like the possession of the ring but I still think no matter what he knew at the back of his mind he never lost hope until he never lost it until you know the very end he never lost that he this was his quest and he must destroy the ring and no matter how much it was hurting him no matter how much like all these things and he you know i i think there's times where i guess too it's like something you have to think like was all of this because he always wanted the ring or was some of it Mm. but because he knew this responsibility i I think it's kind of both because there's things where like he didn't want sam to have the ring yes because he wanted it but also there was parts where he didn't want sam to have the ring because he didn't want Sam yeah. to hold that burden or you know mm-hmm. it's weird it's so hard I'm like oh uh, so I, I think I struggle with Frodo because I don't know if like he in the end was he really like was he really like the the person that should have been having it and I think anyone would have gone through that I guess so I don't know yeah it's interesting like if you reverse the roles and like Frodo was in Sam's position I like think Sam would have gone through maybe the, similar, the same things yeah. So, and that's a conversation that could probably last hours. Yeah, um, one that I'm sure that. people listening do not want to listen to at this time. I know. And I think we, we've gone like really long. I'm like, oh God, we've gone so long. So I'm going to chop a lot of time. It's going to be this. a long, long episode, but it's okay. Um, Just all good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think we had some great convos. So Thank you, Emmy, for coming on. I think it was so helpful to have you on here because we would have just, again, done what we did last time, just asking each other questions that we can't answer. <laughs> and it was really great to learn some of the back story to things that we had no idea about. And it's just, we wanted to have you on here for a long time. So it was great to even have your presence in general, not just Lord of the Rings. So hope you this enjoyed is, it. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun for me. I could literally like geek out for <laughs> hours and hours over LOTR and the world and Middle Earth and all of that good stuff. But you guys, this brought me so much joy and this was so fun. Good. Well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, We are done with Lord of the Rings talk. Thanks for enduring that for two weeks. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, But we'll be back with maybe a newer movie or uh, I guess not a fantasy movie next week. So yeah, we'll see you later. Yeah, thank you so much, Emmy, for coming on, and we will talk to everybody next week. Bye. My friends. You bow to no one.